you here. Thank you for those of us that are joining online. Welcome. So I'm ready. I'm ready to preach. I hope you're ready to listen. Yeah, there's, there's this message that's just been beating in me this week, which is just what, what can I do? Right? And, and we're, we're one person in hundreds of millions that are in the United States, billions and billions that are in the world. What, what difference could I make? What difference could you make? And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about an ambassador and something that I keep coming back to. Every scripture I see just points me back to this truth of who God has called us to be, that the church needs to rise up and be the church. And this is the day. This is the hour. I, I just every, every scripture I read is pointing me to that, that the answer is Jesus Christ right now for a world that's divided, a world that's broken, a world that is, that is going down the tubes. But, but we have an answer as the church but unless we rise up and be the church, the, the, the world won't hear that answer. So last week we were talking about being in hidden in Christ. And, and how many of you liked when Ben Hires was shooting me in the face with a super soaker, huh? Yeah, that was exciting for me. But I got a text from my son who was at college uh, out of town. And he's like, Dad, I thought that was so awesome to see you get squirted in the face. But, but what was the point? The point was some of us are going through life and we're just taking it in the face. And God's like, no, I want you to put up the umbrella. I want you to be hidden in Christ, that there's a purpose for us. There's a calling for us, but, but it's to be wrapped and anointed with his power and, with, and be in fellowship with him, that we would be hidden in Christ. And I, I look right now as, as we're going through the pandemic and the police shootings and the innocent people and uh, this, the, riot, the rioting that's going on, the looting of, of stores. These people didn't deserve that. And I look at this divided election, and just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies on Friday, and now you know this is just going to wind everybody up. We're going to have a, a big Supreme Court election or fight or nomination, whatever it's called, right? That, that's just going to add fuel to a fire that's already blazing right now in our country. So what do the people of God do? What can I do? What can you do in this situation? How do we, what does it mean to rise up and be the church? And a couple of weeks ago, we had a prayer night here at Shiloh, and, and uh, we started it off with Dave Ayotte getting up. And, and Dave said the Lord had put this scripture on his heart for a time for us to pray right now. And we prayed into that scripture, and, and I'm just coming back to that scripture. Many of you may know it, but it's out of Second Chronicles 7. So let's read it as we start this morning. It says, So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace, and he completed everything he had to do in construction of the temple and the palace. And then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer, and I've chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you, Father. God, I thank you that you have called your church to be the church for this day, for this hour. Lord, help us take this scripture Holy Spirit, would you illuminate it to our hearts? 
that we would not just read it in our minds, Lord, but we would read it and something would pierce us, that we would understand what you're calling us to do as the people of God. So, Lord, we look at this scripture with faith. We, we open up our hearts. We open up our ears to hear your spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So why is it important to look at this scripture, right? At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. Anybody know who's going through a drought right now? Yeah, in New Hampshire, we're in a drought. Across the United States, there's parts that are in droughts. There's also parts that are experiencing floods. Remember the Mississippi when it overrun its banks? Um, it's crazy what's going on. If, if we could just for a moment open up our eyes and see this pandemic, it is a plague that we're experiencing. And there's something that I keep hearing over and over. Every time there's another natural disaster, it's this new word. That this is the word of 2020. It's unprecedented right? We keep hearing it. I'm like, I'm tired of unprecedented. Can I just go back to ordinary? Like, I'd be fine with ordinary right now. I don't know about you. A few years ago, it was always the paradigm shift. Like, everything in business and in church, it was always, we're going to do a paradigm shift. Now it's this word unprecedented. But it truly is unprecedented what's happening, this political divide. We've gone through elections before where, like, both parties, it's kind of like, I'm not sure who to vote for. Now, oh my gosh, where people stand on issues is miles apart in the political arena. And, and, and the, just the rhetoric and, and just the, the division is at an all-time high. It's unprecedented. So, so why is this important? It's important to see the times and to see where God has put us in, but to look at them with faith eyes, to look at them and say, God, are you doing something different in the land right now that I need to take notice? And it's kind of like one of these, hello, McFly. Like if we can't look at what's going on around us and say, huh, this is a little bit unusual. Maybe God is trying to speak to us. I do believe it's one of these, okay, there's times I might shut up the heavens that no rains falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops. Remember in August in Iowa, they had this crazy, it wasn't a hurricane, it was a, a something else, I forget the name, a derecho storm. It destroyed over 10 million acres of, of, land, of crops just in Iowa. And then it hit other Midwestern states as well. 10 million acres. It, it's like it wasn't a grasshopper, but it might as well have been for all of that to be destroyed. What, what will it take for us to look at these signs and these times and say, God, what are you calling us to do as a church? So 13 moves into 14, and in 14 it says this, then if my people who are called by my name, who is God talking to here? He's calling to his people, you, me, his church, any of us that would call on the name of Jesus Christ and say he is our Lord and our Savior, we're his people, we're called by his name. And very specific instructions, it says humble yourself, pray, Seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. And then what? I'm going to hear. I'm going to heal your land. I'll forgive your sins. I'll restore your land. So this, this idea of humbling ourselves, praying, seeking God's face, I want to take a minute and look at all three of these. All right, could we do that? So humbling ourselves. You know, this, this word humble is not a word I often use. I don't know about you. If you go, oh yeah, I'm humble. Like the minute you start to tell other people you're humble, you kind of lost it, haven't you? Right? It's, it's one of these things, we don't find it in our vocabulary, but it's an important thing. And, and I believe humility starts here. Humility starts with us recognizing that we are all sinners saved by grace. 
It's not, there, there's no way that I can look at any one of you or you could look at me and say, oh, I'm better than Greg. I do this better. I do that better. Yeah, but we're all sinners. We all deserve to, to go to hell for our sin. But Jesus Christ saved us by dying on the cross, by shedding his blood. That's how humility starts, by recognizing who we are, that we're a sinner saved by grace. We live in glass houses. We're not going to throw stones. We're not going to accuse. We're not going to judge. That's how we start to humble ourselves, by recognizing who we are. A couple of weeks ago, Mark Lacasse talked about the Savior complex. Remember that in a message? And then the next week after that, I said, I, I think I sometimes have a modified Savior complex, where the Savior complex is you want to fix things that you see in other people that are broken. I want to tell them everything that they're doing wrong, and I feel like it's my responsibility to tell you how to drive, how to raise your kids, how to go to school, right? Like, whatever it is, I probably have figured it out, and let me just show you my way, because my way's right right? Isn't that an arrogant attitude for us to have? But sometimes, you know, if I'm honest, if you're honest, we have that attitude. We look at others and we're like, yeah, I'm right and you're wrong. But, but there's an amazing thing when, when we see what God says in his word about humbling ourselves. I, I just have to give you this example out of Joshua. It's found in Joshua 5, 13 and 14. Now, if you know the story in Joshua, Moses has been the leader. He's led them out of Egypt and, and now Moses has died, and God has anointed Joshua as the next leader of Israel. And Joshua is taking the, the people of Israel into the promised land. And the first place they come to in the promised land is the, the story of Jericho, right? If you remember a little, the, the, when you were little, the walls of, of Jericho, they walked around them seven times, and then a big shout, and what happened? The walls come crumbling down. So this is the story we're reading in Joshua five thirteen. It's before they start walking around the wall. And it says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? I can just imagine my grandkids saying something like this. Are you friend or foe? You know, and they're playing in the, in the yard and whatnot. Neither one, he replied, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. You know, here's the interesting thing. In politics, we're like, okay, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Are you a friend or are you a foe? Are you this or are you that? Like, we always are looking for the divide. And, and like, Joshua was the anointed one of Israel. He was the anointed leader. Why couldn't this person just say, oh, Joshua, I'm your friend? Because this is, this is God speaking. Joshua said, no, I'm not your friend. I mean, the, the, the angel that, that appeared here, I'm not your friend. I'm not your foe. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? And see, this is where you and I fall down. We, we cannot forget that we are first servants of the Most High God. It, it's not that you're my friend or my foe and I'm picking a side and you're on the other side and we've got to divide. If we are all servants of God, we are all, we are all washed by the blood of the Lamb. We are all covered by, by the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that's how we humble ourselves, to recognize that we're God's servants. Number one, that's where we need to start. So when we humble ourselves and we recognize, God, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else, I recognize, Lord, it's only by your faith. It's only by your grace. It's not by my works that I can earn salvation. It's nothing I can do. Lord, I come to you humbly. Now we can pray. And you know what? I believe prayer changes things, right? And, and there's a number of examples in the Bible I want to give you this morning that you have a handhold to say, okay, me, me alone praying can make a difference, not only in my life, but in the, in the life of, of this community that I live in, in the world that I live in. So 
I'm going to first call out Jonah's prophecy to Nineveh, right? If you remember the story of Jonah in, in the Bible, it's in the book of Jonah. Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh and to prophesy to them. And he's like, yeah, God, I'm not doing that. And he goes the other direction, gets on a ship, goes out to sea, big storm. Sailors finally figure out it's Jonah. They throw him overboard. What happens? A whale swallows him up. I know, crazy, right? But a whale swallows him up. Jonah's in the belly of the whale, crying out to God, saying, okay, God, I'll do it. The whale spits him up on the, on the, the sand or at the shore. Jonah goes to Nineveh, and this is the message he has in, in Jonah 3, 4. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty more days. Jonah's going this. He takes him three days to walk all over Nineveh. In 40 more days, Nineveh is going to be, be overthrown. Now, what happened? Do you know the rest of the story? Nineveh repented, and Nineveh never got overthrown. Right, and you can see, you can read the rest of the story, what happened to Jonah, but, but Nineveh repented. What, what Jonah was sent by God to say to them didn't come to pass. Why? Because the people repented. They prayed. They humbled themselves. Right? How about Hezekiah? In Isaiah 38, Isaiah goes to Hezekiah. God tells Isaiah, go to Hezekiah. Tell him you're going to die of the sickness that you have. And Isaiah delivers the message of the Lord to Hezekiah. Hezekiah is upset by this message. He goes to prayer and he's like, God, like, it's not right. God, I, I want to live longer. Here's what I want to do. God, I feel like you've called. And, and, I, and Hezekiah is just pouring his heart out to the Lord. And then, then God tells Isaiah, go back. That afternoon, Isaiah goes back to Hezekiah and says, I'm giving you 15 more years. I've heard your prayer. Right? There's times when God says this and that. And then of his people, if, if we will change what we do, God will relent. God, God will, will cause us to go in a different direction. But he's trying to get our attention. So how do I pray for this country? How do I pray for the election coming up? I'm not even sure I know how to pray. You know, they make these great things called prayer guides, right? They kind of give you scriptures, give you ideas about what to pray into. And here's one put out, the, put out by the Family Research Council at prayvotestand.org, right? You can read the prayer guide. It's a great great resource if you would do that. You know, and in this time and hour that we live in, right, Joel 2.28 says this, that in the last day I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams. I believe we're in the last days. Why? Because Jesus told us we were in the last days when he was here. So if, if that was the last days when Jesus was on earth, we're in the latter, latter part of the last days probably, right? None of us know when God is returning. But Jesus called it the last days. I do expect for prophets to prophesy and for people to have dreams. And you can go on the internet. There's a lot of people that are getting words from the Lord, dreams from the Lord. So, so what do you make of all that when you hear, okay, this is going to happen or that's going to happen? What do I do with that? So I want to just call out this scripture in 1 Samuel 23 because I think it's such a great scripture for us to remember. This is when David was running from Saul Saul was trying to kill him. David first went to the priest. Then, then he went to the Philistines, left the Philistines. And now he heard the Philistines are attacking an Israelite city called Keilath. So it says David goes to Keilath. He rescues them. And, and then he prays, O oh Lord, God of Israel, I've heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilath because I'm here. Will the leaders of Keilath betray me to him? And will Saul actually come as I've heard? O oh Lord, God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, yes, he will come. And David asked, will the leaders of Keilah betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, yes, they will betray you. 
Right? So, so David asked God a specific yes or no question, and God says, yes, David, this is going to happen. So what's the rest of the story? What happened is David heard that and said, okay, I'm not staying in Keilath. And David goes into the wilderness, and Saul never found him in the wilderness because David did what? He changed course. He heard the word of the Lord, and he changed course. See how powerful it is for us to listen to what God is saying? But like you may hear of this or that or the other, and, and just know that God sometimes says, this is going to happen. He told Hezekiah, you're going to die. Hezekiah prayed, you're going to have 15 more years. Right? This is how God moves and speaks sometimes. It's, it's not like Isaiah didn't hear right in the morning. He heard the word of the Lord in the morning. It's not like God was just kidding, David. It's not really going to happen. No, that would have happened had David not changed his course. But God gives us an opportunity for us to change our course. God is such a graceful, merciful God. He's giving us a warning saying, okay, what are you going to do with this? Because if it falls on deaf ears, it's going to happen. But if you'll change your course, guess what? I'm going to do something different. Do you remember the famous words? I say famous because so many of us quote it, right? For I know the plans I have for you. This is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. Not for calamity. God spoke that while they were in Babylonian captivity. Right? So, so what, whatever happens with this election, whether your guy wins or your guy doesn't win, right? or, or whether you think this person should have been, God can work even when you're in captivity. Right, That's when the Lord works. We don't need to pray necessarily for this one or that one. We need to pray for the Lord's will to be done in this land. Right? God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. So we seek God, we repent. It says, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, And then God will hear from heaven and will forgive our sins and restore our land. Right? So what do we need to repent from? I'll tell you what I find myself going to God and repenting for. For my arrogance, for me thinking I'm right and I got to teach everybody what the right way to do things. That's not right. I'm not right in every situation. Right? For the times when I've taken sides, when I've become so passionate about what I believe that, you know, my passion... My passion now has a, has a caustic nature about it because I'm so passionate what I believe. I must be right. You must be wrong. And you know what? I'm not loving you like God has called me to love you. God, I repent of that. Lord, I'm a sinner. Just like, how do I love people that disagree with me, God? I, I need to be better at that because that's what God wants us to do as the church. Not to lose our passion, but to have our passion with love. It's hard. We talked the other week about ambassadors don't argue on Facebook. I hope you're listening to me. I'm not checking. But like if we go on Facebook and we start arguing about what we believe versus what some, how is that loving others? It's not. God has called us to be ambassadors. Why? Because there's a message he has for all of us. And Paul said it so well. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Did you know it's the gospel message that God has called us to preach to others and to share with others? That's the power that's going to change this world. That's the power that's going to heal a racial divide. That's the power that's going to get the right person elected or not. It's the power of the gospel, not me trying to convince you what to do or what not to do. Let God be God and let us do our job, right? That God, I would seek you and I repent and I would turn from my wicked ways. Here's another one I'll repent of. God, I can see the speck so easily in that person's eye, that person's eye, that person's eye, and I forget all about God. Would you show me the log in my own eye first? 
right? And it's so easy to see where other people are going wrong, and we want to tell them, you're going, yeah, I got I to gotta see the log first in my own eyes, what the Scripture says. There is a time, there is a place. I'm not saying we shouldn't have values. Absolutely, take a stand. But how do you take a stand? God calls us first, humble yourself, pray, repent. You know, when we're talking about prayer, there's a couple of prayer events that are happening right now. This is a great time in New Hampshire to pray corporately. And sometimes as we pray corporately, that's a great way to seek God's face. We are, we are in a time of 10 days of prayer at different churches across the city. Tonight till 8 o'clock at the Concord State House on the lawn. Tomorrow at the Concord State House on the lawn from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And then Tuesday is going to be at a different church. Wednesday at another church, both in Manchester. Thursday here. Friday in Veterans Park. Right? This is a great time for the body of Christ to come together as the body of Christ and to pray for our land. I, I don't pray for God, let this person... I want to pray, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know if you're familiar with the return. It's, it's a prayer gathering for the nation that's happening next Friday night and all day Saturday in Washington, D.C. I've gone to a couple of these in the past. They're amazing. Because of COVID, I'm, not, I'm choosing not to go down. But you know what? I can have it in my ears as I'm mowing a lawn. I can have it in my ears as I'm doing my chores around the house and be listening in and praying in. Look up thereturn.org. See, see what's going on. It's, it's amazing to get a hold of some of these things in the prayer events that are going on. So as we humble ourselves, as we pray, as we seek God's face, as we repent, you know what God promises? He's going to hear from heaven. He will heal our land. But there's one more thing I'm going to add that that I can make a difference. You can make a difference. And it's this. It's to vote. And I I know you're probably thinking, oh, my gosh, Greg, are you really going to go there? No, I am. And it's important. It's important that I go there. And here's why. Vote out of common sense. See, some of us might, might think, does it say to vote in the Bible? And you know what? No, you will not find the words, you should go vote in November in the Bible. It's not going to tell you that. But this is what Proverbs 3 says. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them. Right? Whenever I go on a mission trip, I am struck with this thought. Why did I get to be born in America and not Haiti? Why did I get to be born in America and not a gypsy camp in Romania? Like, God has given me something that is so precious. And and our constitution in America starts with these three words. We the people. If we the people don't do what we're called to do, like it's going to be you the people, not, not me the people, right? So, so God has called us out of common sense, vote. Maybe out of love for our neighbor, right? Who we vote for will have a big difference in how well the gospel goes forth or it doesn't go forth. That's important. Vote for that reason. Vote because God has given us the stewardship. If you've been born in America or God's allowed you to come to this, to this land and become a citizen, then we're a steward of what God has given us. This is our country. God, let me, I'm accountable for what's going on. God, let me, let me use what you've given me and do it well. And you know, as I think about voting, it's not about party or personality. It's about policy. So I don't know if you're like me, but I've gone on the website for the Democratic Party platform to see what it says. I've gone on the Republican Party platform to see what it says. They're miles apart. Like, you've got to go check it out. You've got to go educate yourself. I, I remember growing up, my parents used to tell us kids that, that when they would go to the polls, 
My mom was a Democrat, my dad was a Republican, and they just vote the party line. And I'm thinking to myself, that doesn't really make sense. Like, you're kind of canceling each other out. Why go? Now, maybe they were just telling us that. I'm not sure if, if that's really what they did or not. I kind of think not. But you know what? Some of us may have grown up with this thought we could vote against a, on a party line. You know what? You can't. And, and I'll give you a great example of why you can't. There, there was a primary recently, right? I won't ask for a show of hands how many have voted in your primary because I'm going to give you all a chance to repent so that you make it to November. But the primary in Cheshire County, and, and this happened in my primary too. I, I would go and the ballot says, you know, vote for not more than one and there's only one person in there. Oh, that's easy enough. I can just vote for that person, right? They're in my party. That's great. Well, in Cheshire County, there was only one person voting for county sheriff. And this is what the person stood for. Their name was Aria de, de Mezzo. She's a high priestess of the Reformed Satanic Church. She calls herself a transsexual, transsexual Satanist anarchist, and her campaign slogan is F the police. But she's the only one on the ballot for the GOP nominee for county sheriff. She got over 6,000 votes. You know why? Because everybody goes to the ballot like, oh, it's in my party. Now vote for not more than one. I'm just going to fill this in. Like, shame on us. We got to know who are the people we're voting for. You can't vote against party lines. She got on the ticket. It's not her, not her problem to get on the ticket. She did everything right. It's the people that voted for her that would feel like, wow, I can't. I got to look at what are the candidates believe? What's the policy that, that they are, are going to enact? And you know what? It's not just about, um, it's not just about local or, or national. It's about local as well, right? So, so what we're experiencing in New Hampshire right now and the freedom we have to meet in church and to sing in church, they can't do that in California like we can do it here. Why? Because we got different governors. The local race matters just as much as the national race. But you, you can't play if you don't have a ticket to play, right? You got to register to vote. So in New Hampshire, we've got great laws that you can register at your town hall or city clerk up until November 3rd. You can even register right at the poll. You probably have to stand in a longer line. So if you like lines, then wait. Register on November 4th. Right? If you don't like lines, go to, go to your town office. You just need your license or, or some idea. Or if you don't even have an idea, I believe you can just sign an affidavit that you live here. That's crazy, isn't it? But you can do that. So register, vote, and then vote your faith. Vote biblical values. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. You're smart people, but, but be educated. Go and look. If I told you on November 3rd, hey, spend some time educated, I don't give you enough time. Right, but I'm telling you now, because of what I went through in the primary, I had to really research some of these candidates to see, all right, I'm not quite sure who I want to vote for and why. But the, Google is an amazing thing. You, you look them up and you can find out everything you need to know. Vote your faith. Vote biblical values. So would you stand with me as we close in prayer? What can I do? What can you do? This is a time to humble ourselves. This is a time to pray we got a lot of prayer events. I'd love to see you at some of these. This is a time for us to seek God's face and repent. right? I, I'm asking God, God, I don't want to be the person that gets off topic as an ambassador. I don't want to be the person that's so riled up that I start to hate my fellow man instead of love everyone that you've called me to love. So this is a time to seek God's face and repent. And then here's the good news. God will hear from heaven and heal your prayer He'll hear, he'll hear my prayer. 
And together as we come together, God, God is gonna, we're going to pray for revival to start across this land. I don't know how revival starts. It may start with the person you don't want to win getting in, and now that's going to... God, may your spirit come. That's what I want, right? I want to see God's move here on this earth like nothing else. Amen? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, God, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, I ask this question, what can I do? Lord, and I think of what Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. God, would you use each of us? Would you let us see our divine calling to be an ambassador? Would you let us see our divine calling to rise up and be the church? Lord, would you let us know that we're filled with your spirit for this day and this hour, that we would humble ourselves, that we would pray, we would repent and seek your face. Lord, and we do pray that you would heal our land. God, that you would restore, Father, all that the locust has eaten. Lord Jesus, we look for a revival to come. Now, in the name of Jesus, let us be a part of it, Father. Would you use us today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for coming.